And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Hi, good morning, everyone. Uh, Nice to see you. Nice to have some visitors with us. You're very welcome. Uh, My name's Sam. I'm one of the pastors here. It would be great if you kept that passage open so you can see... Uh, where we're going from today. Uh, But let me pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak to us through your word by your spirit so that we may know who you are and may know who we are. We ask now that as we look at uh, this passage from Genesis 1, that you'd speak to us, that you'd uh, remind us uh, who we are in your sight and your created order. For your glory we pray. Amen. Uh, Rachel Dozal was a woman apparently of mixed uh, heritage background. Uh, She was the president of a black American rights organization, the NAACA, C-A-N-A something. Uh, Until in 2015, it turned out that she was in fact a white woman, self-identifying as a colored woman, and so they dismissed her. Uh, A school in Rye in East Sussex, a bit closer to home, recently was in the press uh, over a debate between a teacher and a student that was recorded and put on Twitter of of whether a child in year eight could self-identify as a cat. Uh, The press investigated further and found that this is an increasing problem in schools. And I kid you not, there is a collective term for people who self-identify as animals, and they are called furries. Uh, It was only 100 years ago that women gained the right to vote in the UK, and in some countries that is still the case. Uh, Of course, today, choosing your gender uh, or your non-gender is entirely your choice. Uh, My two daughters went to Carshalton High School for girls, uh, but they had three boys in the school, uh, or at least who identified as boys, and the school had to install unisex toilets or non-gender-specific toilets for them. Uh, 24,000 Britons were uh, questioned, uh, I think this year, and they were given the choice as whether they would choose to give money to charities that looked after animals or charities that looked after people. Only 53%, so about half, said people. 34% said that they'd rather give money to a charity that looked after animals, 
and the remaining 12% couldn't decide. Who are we? What is humanity? Are animals and humans equal? Are men and women equal? Does our race define us? Can we choose what gender we are? And what on earth are we here to do on earth? I'm not sure there's been a culture in history that has perhaps been more confused than ours today about who we are. What is humanity? Who, who am I? It's quite literally the topic of our culture, isn't it? And the answer tends to be, well, you can be whatever you want to be. But sadly, making it up, uh, choosing who we want to be, has led to pr- probably the highest mental health issues, the highest suicide rates, the highest broken and confused family setups our history has ever known. But fortunately, the Creator God who loves to redeem, as we began to look at last week from Genesis 1, tells us exactly who we are. And the foundations of who we are are found in a few short verses from our passage today. Uh, And to sum it all up, Anna's already mentioned it earlier in the the kids' slot, we are made in the image of God. Uh, So have a look at verse 27 of our passage, Genesis 1, 27. So God created mankind... In his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Uh, What does that mean? Well, as with the creation narrative, as we thought about last week, there has been unending speculation about what being created in the image of God is. Uh, But this passage and this section of Genesis is is deliberately simple. And so we'd be wise to to keep our, our thinking simple, not to overthink about what this means. So we're going to look into what being in the image of God looks like from this chapter in Genesis. Uh, Now, it's an important point that we are made in the image of God. This isn't just something to to skip over. Uh, In verses 26 and 27, the word image, or in fact, he says the word image three times and a similar word likeness another time. So four times using two different words, he says this. So Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And then 27, God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God. He created them, male and female. He created them. In other words, mankind is unique amongst all the rest of creation. Uh, In fact, he repeats, uh, Moses, who wrote the book of Genesis, repeats the word created three times in verse 27 as well. In other words, mankind is created, created, created in the image, the image, the image, the likeness of God. Mankind is special within creation. Uh, So animals are not of equal worth to humans, as many believe today. Uh, That's clear from the six days of creation where mankind is made in the image of God. So it would be right to value human life above animal life, given the choice. It would be right to prioritise the care of humans over animals uh, when the choice needs to be made. If you like, humans are like the icing on the cake of all creation, uh, the piece that fulfils it all. That's why in verse 31, uh, have a look at that, uh, God, saw the, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And it was evening, it was morning, the sixth day. Creation is all good. 
But it's not until we get to the end after mankind has been made that God says, well, now it is very good. We bear the image of God in a way that the rest of creation does not. Uh, That may mean we need to be careful about some of our thinking about creation, even evolution, uh, that says humans have just developed out of other species. Uh, Now, depending on your view of the six days of creation, uh, you may or may not accept some of evolutionary science. But it's going to be hard to accept all of it. Uh, So many Christian scientists and theologians uh, disagree about evolution. Some read verse 24 and see it as proof that evolution does not, not happen. Uh, Natural selection, yes. Survival of the fittest, sure. But not evolution between the species. Have a look at verse 24. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God created them. Livestock, wild animals, and creepy crawlies. Others would argue that six days of creation, uh, rather than 24-hour periods, are vast segments of time. In fact, the word day here in Genesis can be used and is used elsewhere in in Scripture to mean a large period of time. Uh, And so they envisage a a possibility where God created in six segments, uh, deliberately perhaps allowing evolution to take place over millions of years to bring into existence very deliberately each animal according to its kind. Uh, in fact, they say the, verse, the phrase at the beginning of verse 24, let the land produce living creatures, almost implies a, an evolution, a process. Uh, so they come and they develop from the land. Now the details are not hugely significant. Uh, we really shouldn't need to fall out over different ideas and details like that. But when it comes to mankind, well then we do need to be careful, says Genesis 1. Uh, We'll see in more depth when we get into chapter 2, where Adam is literally formed by God from the dust. But even here, humans are different. Uh, They're special. They're called, if you like. They are made in the image of God. Uh, So we're not highly evolved primates, uh, where we've evolved into some kind of intelligent awareness so that we now can understand and think about God. Uh, No, we are set apart deliberately in the image of God by him. We might share similar DNA to animals, but we do not share the image of God with anything else in all of creation. Uh, Before we get into the details of what, though, being in the image of God or being an image bearer is, uh, we also read that men and women are created in the image of God. Uh, In other words, there's there's absolute equality in our created nature across all of humanity, whatever gender you are. Uh, Women are not less valuable or or less worthy or less bearing the image of God than men. Women are also not more significant or image-bearing than men. Uh, Now we'll discuss... We're not getting into it today, sorry, another time. Uh, We will discuss gender more when we get into thinking about Adam and Eve uh, in the next chapter. But right here is a bedrock for absolute equality between all people, male and female, and of course race and culture. All, every single human being that has ever walked the earth, however they've been treated, whoever they are, whatever they do, they are image bearers. Every single person here is an image bearer of God. 
So, uh, what does that mean? Uh, I think it means a lot. It, it, it's, it's a holistic idea. He doesn't give us specific details as if, here's a tick list of answers. But I think there's about four things that are quite clear just from this chapter about what being an image bearer of God is. So number one is relate. Uh, in other words, we're designed for relationship. Uh, if we are image bearers of God, then we're going to expect, aren't we, to share some, of, some commonality with him. And what is clear is that God is a relational God. He, he creates with speech, and he speaks to mankind. And as we'll find out in the next chapter, we speak back. We're designed to interact with God, and of course with each other. We're put into relationships, as again we'll see in chapter 2. And that is different to the animal kingdom, for example, or, or the plant kingdom. But we also see that God is relational in and of himself. Uh, So verse 26 puts God uh, talking to himself in a plural way. So verse 26, let us make mankind in our image. And the only us that we've met in Genesis 1 so far is the spirit hovering over the waters. And verse 1, the God who creates. And how does he create? By speaking through his word. Uh, Now, it's hard to imagine. uh, Most theologians don't think that Moses understood the full doctrine of the Trinity, as we might call it today. But he does understand very clearly, as he pens these words, that God is a God who is only a God of fullness when he's in relationship with himself, when he relates to himself in love. And so he made us in his image. Let us make him uh, mankind in, a, in our image. And so we expect to be relational, as he is relational. It's core to who he is, and therefore who we are. Now, primarily, relationally, we ought to be relating to God, shouldn't we? That's the obvious sense of what's going on here. If we bear his image, we're meant to be in relationship with him. In fact, when we find our true, true identity as people in God, rather than our, in our race or our culture or our job or our gender, but when we're, we're in good relationship with our God, that is the best place we can be. And the opposite is true. That's why if we deny uh, God or rebel against him, uh, well, then we are harming our very being. And no wonder the world's so confused if it denies God. We reject who we are, and it will not go well for us before a creator God who will come and judge those who have turned their backs on him. It's ironic, isn't it? We are harming, our, we are harming God's image when we reject our own. But enjoying God in relationship, repenting and believing in the Lord Jesus, trusting him for the forgiveness of our sins, humbling ourselves, trusting in him, growing in relationship with him by reading his word so that we can know him better, praying to him each day, gathering in relationship here on a Sunday or in our home groups as well. Well, all of that reflects the image of God, a God of relationship and love. So we're made to uh, relate, and we're made to relate to God and relate to others. That is to bear the image of God. Secondly, we are to create. 
Uh, You can't read this chapter and not realise that God is a creator, a creative person. Uh, Humanity creates, doesn't it, unlike all of the rest of the animal kingdom. Uh, It's rare for an animal to do anything that isn't instinctive for survival. Even what often is play or, or messing around as animals is often crucially developing survival skills. But humans are deliberately creative. Uh, we, we love things like arts and music and literature. Uh, we design and uh, develop elaborate structures for humanity to live in and shelter under, building ever more elaborate things. Uh, we love to explore uh, creative ways to be physical and to, to, to develop ourselves, whether that's sports or training or output. We're creative in our thinking and in our time management. Uh, with new inventions, constant developments throughout all of history, it's, it, we never run out of creativity. It, it'll, it'll never stop. I mean, even mundane acts, uh, as often many of you will do each week, as you sit at your Excel spreadsheet formula and you go, I don't think anyone could have done a formula quite like mine. <laughs> It's just endless, isn't it? Creative in every single way we can find. Add a bit of colour there. Bit of bold on that one. Uh, We love to create because God does. And it reflects his image. And now just as uh, being in relationship can be abused to harm our image and therefore God's, so can creativity uh, Nigel was praying earlier about uh, uh, discussions in, with Russia and North Korea. Uh, we're creative in inflict- inflicting pain as well, aren't we? It doesn't have to be that extreme. It might be in word arguments we use uh, towards others. It might be in weapons to hurt. It might be in dark creativity. It might be in creativity that elevates self or even idols, other things before God. Well, that is to harm our image-bearing capacity as creators before God. And it will lead us and lead others away from our creator-loving God instead of towards him. If you want to enjoy God and to please him, then we use our creativity for him and to love others. After all, that is exactly what he did in creation, didn't he? He created for us and for his glory. Uh, Number three, uh, the other aspect that comes out in this chapter is to procreate. In other words, to have children. Uh, Clearly we've seen that God is not only creative, but he also creates new life. Uh, It's not a great surprise then that he gives his image bearers, mankind, this same responsibility. Verse 28 in our passage, God blessed them, that's mankind, and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Now, of course, the first humans uh, were to fill the earth uh, with more little humans, and there weren't any other little humans around, so uh, they had a big job to do. Uh, But there's a clear sense in the purpose of men and women who are married, as we'll see in chapter 2, being called by God to create more human life. That is, to reflect the image of God. Uh, It's the same mandate that's repeated after Noah comes out of the ark. They're told again to to increase in number across the earth. Uh, The Psalms speak plentifully about children being a blessing from God. And as hard as that is sometimes to hear, we do know it's instinctively true, don't we? we? To bear the image of God is to procreate, to bring new life. 
That means that being married, getting married, is not a selfish endeavour for personal, personal fulfilment or comfort or gain. It is in part so that humanity may grow in number and so reflect the image of God. It's not a very popular thing to say today, I'm aware of that, uh, but it has been the general teaching of the church throughout history. Now, of course, many can't have children. That is very painful, uh, and we mustn't misunderstand this. That's not a failure to bear the image of God in any way. Uh, in fact, it's a challenging call to serve God in other ways. Uh, and there may be occasions and good reasons why children are, are, are an unwise thing to have before God. But on the whole, it is right and it is good to be encouraged as one of the aims of marriage to have more children. Uh, The New Testament, of course, uh, Paul reminds his readers that uh, we should seriously consider remaining single uh, so that you may have more time to commit to the Lord. And that is a great calling. So the point here is not that unless you have children, you don't bear the image of God. No, that's not what he's saying. But simply that having children, having that high view of it, reflects who God is. He brings new life. And as image bearers, we do the same. Why? Well, perhaps because as with creation, new life, having children, reflects that same model we thought about last week, that God is a redeemer. So have a look at, uh, I think I've put this on the screen hopefully, John 3 verse 5. Yep, there it is. Uh, Jesus compares childbirth to spiritual new birth. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. So whether we've had children or can't have children, whether we're single, we can all reflect God's image by telling people the good news of Jesus, can't we? So that those who are dead in their sin can receive new life, be born again into faith with Christ. So just as last week we saw creation models the saving work of Jesus, so with procreation, Without spiritual new birth of repentance of faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, we have no life at all with God. Uh, it's simply put, childbirth points to our need for spiritual rebirth. It's the model God's designed to point the world to Jesus. It's not surprising, is it, that when people have children, uh, they often return to faith. They give testimony to their need for Jesus as they look at their children and they realise there must be something more because childbirth bears the image of God. Uh, So the fourth image-bearing quality I think we see uh, in this chapter is the responsibility to work. So we've had relate, create and procreate. Work doesn't rhyme, so I've called it operate. There you go. Number four, uh, it's clear, isn't it, as we read Genesis 1, that God is a hard worker. Uh, He's methodical, he's logical, he's creative. Uh, It's not surprising, then, that humanity are also designed to work. Have a look at verse 26. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image and our likeness, so that they may 
rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Uh, Notice the order there. It is being given the image of God that enables us to rule over. Did you see that? Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they can rule over. God delegates some ruling earthly authority to mankind uh, to, if you like, be his representatives on earth because we bear his image. Uh, It's a little like an ambassador who acts on the interests uh, and in the authority passed on to them by their government or their king. Uh, We're meant to work, to rule, to order. And when we do, it means that whatever job we are doing, uh, unless it's biblically immoral, we are fulfilling God's design for us. Uh, So you could be cleaning people's houses, teaching children, beautifying spreadsheets and formulas, uh, building an extension, assessing insurance claims, raising your children. You're serving God. You're bearing his image. It's absolutely crucial to the design that God has given to humanity. You're helping to subdue and to control this earth that we've been given. Uh, We know when the fall comes that work will become a difficult thing. But it doesn't mean that's not what we're designed for. And don't think that the only way to serve God is to be a minister or a missionary, uh, although they are honourable jobs to be desired. But all work is to be done in a way that bears the image of God, of a hard-working, creative, loving, relatable God. So, uh, there we are. That, that is who we are as humans. We are image-bearers of God. We are his ambassadors. Uh, we point the world to him in the way that we live and are. Uh, we are all equal, every single person who lives And we all reflect him and his character when we relate well to him. When we're creative for him and for others and their good. When we procreate to show that new life, both physically and spiritually, is the only hope in Christ. And when we operate, when we work for his glory in all we do. And how often we fail, don't we, at being image bearers. Uh, We'll see this, as I said, more in chapter 2, when the fall of mankind, sin enters the world, because Adam and Eve failed to be image bearers of Christ, uh, sorry, of God. But in case you can't wait till chapter 2 to be reassured that all of this doesn't rely on us getting it right, uh, we're going to skip through to Colossians 1, where we're reminded that any shortcomings we have as image bearers are truly fulfilled in the one image bearer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Let me just finish by reading these words as we think about him giving us new life through his work. Colossians 1, 15 to 20. The Son is the image, so the Son being Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. 
He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile, to make right, to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Let me pray. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we praise you that our true identity, who we are, is in you. That you created each and every one of us to bear your image. And we see that when we relate well to you, when we are creative for you, when we procreate as we look around and see humanity grow, and as we operate, as we work as we rule this world and work hard at our jobs again for you. We thank you that we point to you, reflect your goodness and glory in our lives. And when we don't, as we know we fail to do because of our sin, we praise you that all of this points forward to the Lord Jesus, who is the exact representation of you, lived the perfect life that we could not, so that through repentance and faith in him, we may have eternal relationship with you. Keep us secure and fixed to him, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.